Alrighty, everybody. Good morning. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. Bright-eyed and bushy boy. You know, Wiz, it feels like a nice, crisp September or October morning, and uh, we are continuing to prepare for the NFL season. There's still lots of stuff going on in, in this offseason, and uh, how are you doing today, Wiz? Yeah, doing well. It is a beautiful, beautiful day. A sunny, cool, crisp Yeah, it could be... I didn't know better. It could have been like a nice early September or uh, or October morning today. Looks uh, it's just it's just it's just really nice out there today. Yeah, and uh, you know as we said, uh, football, ongoing stuff, a um, couple of things going on in the league. So uh, l- let's start with Tim Tebow, which is kind of there's all kinds of stuff going on. I know Tim Tebow, 33 years old now. He was playing minor league baseball for the New York Mets. Urban Meyer was his coach down in Florida. There was reports that I, I get, well, not reports, but I guess Urban Meyer and, and Tim Tebow live kind of next door to one another down in Florida now. And uh, looks like Tim Tebow is being coaxed out of retirement and will be part of the Jacksonville Jaguars, a team that we talked about coming into this season that lacked a uh, tight end. There was, you know, they had t- Tyler Eifert last year. You know, Tyler Eifert is, is is pretty long in the tooth now, gone through a lot of injuries. Uh, not to say that Tim Tebow's been on a football field um, in, in recent years because that's not been the case. But, you know, is this something that's more for appearances or do you think this is something that actually has some merit? I know I know this is something that was actually discussed at one point in time in Tebow's career when he kind of went from being that, uh, if, if you will, that, that kind of flash-in-the-pan quarterback for the Denver Broncos – beating the Pittsburgh Steelers in the playoffs, and then becoming just relegated to a situational player. I know there was discussions when he was with New England that maybe he would evolve into a tight end, but do you see this as something that's viable? Is it, is it possible at age 33 that Tim Tebow can make an impact in the NFL today? I think he's, he, I do not think he's going to make an impact. Uh, I think he could make the team, you know, could in, you know, where not as a starting tight end either, but I could see a scenario where he makes the roster, plays some snaps at tight end. I think what Tim Tebow would be very interesting is the up guy on punts, where when there's like fourth and two and you're kind of like in midfield and he could either block and they just really punt the ball or this is what he did at Florida a lot. He just took that snap and bull rush for a couple of yards or he is certainly capable of throwing the ball. So kind of a tight end on maybe a handful of plays, um, but I could see him use as kind of that type of player uh, on special teams, and I think ideally as uh, the up guy uh, on on punch where he could do a little bit of what he uh, does best. You know, so the notion of of kind of what you know, I don't want to go to where Taysom Hill and what he has been doing because he's been, you know, a a, a sincere uh, utility knife for the new for the, for the New Orleans Saints. Is it possible? Now, again, Taysom Hill's a little bit younger, uh, but also a guy that came into the league later, uh, started a few games last year. Is it possible that you see kind of that t- type of role that, that, that Tebow plays? I, I mean, I think it's a possibility. Uh, you know, you're, you're, you're discussing a lot of different options here. Um, I think it's intrigue. We know Tim Tebow is kind of a natural leader. And I think I think for a young football team, he's probably a good fit on on, on the team, and 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 a very low cost one for the Jacksonville Jaguars. 
agree with that. I, I don't necessarily agree about him taking any snaps at quarterbacks. You'd be hard-pressed to explain, explain this to your ownership fans that you're going to take the number one overall pick in a draft, uh, a player who's been described as a once-in-a-decade type of you know, franchise quarterback and take him off the field to bring Tebow on. Now, Urban Meyer does unusual things. I wouldn't say I would, you know, completely rule it out, but I'd be surprised. But I, I, I could see him making the team. I could see him being a helpful guy in that locker room. I could see him eventually being a coach on the coaching staff there. He's got that connection with Urban Meyer. So, uh, I, but if he does make the roster, I, I believe it'll be mostly special teams. And, uh, and a little bit of uh, tight end uh, sprinkled in. All right, so one of the one of the better players that was left in free agency, still uh, kind of recovering from an injury, still was Eric Fisher, the left tackle last year for the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, he was still out there. We talked pretty consistently coming into this um, coming into the draft about the needs, and we thought we even thought both of us that the, that the Colts would take an offensive lineman with their first draft pick, which they didn't. Um, I'm sure you're very happy about that with Darasaw slipping to the Minnesota Vikings. But they sign Eric Fisher. It doesn't sound like he's going to be ready to start the season. One year, $9.4 million contract. It's a big deal on this team. Carson Wentz blindside. Eventually, he will be the starter here. Um, and, and, and a situation where you're, you're replacing you know, a, a guy like Anthony Costanzo, who was a stalwart in that offensive line for the Colts. So th- this is kind of a big deal signing in my eyes because of the importance of the offensive line, obviously the blind side of Carson Wentz uh, being impacted here as well. Yeah, I mean, a couple of things about that. One is, um, this is the type of injury and the type of position that they have got to make sure the player is is ready to go. This can't be like, um, you know, a, a running back who's been out with, a, you know, a few weeks with, you know, some sort of a hand injury and you're putting something on there and he's going to give it a go. This is a thing where, you know, the plant leg and they have got to make sure he is full strength uh, and they can't rush him back. And they're already talking about that maybe he may miss the first month of the season. They're talking about an October return, which wouldn't be the worst thing. But I'm a little dubious when I see that Kansas City, it, it, it just I just have to feel like Kansas City, if they really wanted to, could have, he would have come back for similar money to Kansas City, and yet they didn't want to give him, and they went, they wanted, they didn't want to give him that money, and they they went in, in, in another direction. Actually, they they signed uh, you know several different players, uh, so I'm always a little curious what what Kansas City knows and what Kansas City thinks. And uh, I'm just hoping for the player and for the team and for an owner uh, of Jonathan Taylor that they do not rush him back um, because uh, because that's one that if you rush him back too early, you know, that could be uh, a season ender pretty quickly. So I hope, they, I hope they're very cautious with the player, and I'm sure they will be. Yeah, and, you know, you and I have talked about this team being uh, last year with Phillip Rivers at the helm, uh, being a playoff team. I think they have really talented parts on both sides of the ball. We know how Jonathan Taylor evolved in his role. Uh, This is a solid defense, um, and and they will be going under some transition with Carson Wentz. So it's important to get that synergy, and I I couldn't agree more with you. You know, having the ability to kind of rest a player and, and let a guy like Eric Fisher get healthy will be very paramount for this team as it progresses through the season. Um, you know, before we get into this uh, episode, Wiz, it wouldn't be complete without uh, 
tackling the uh, ongoing saga in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. We've heard some comments from the GM that uh, that uh, Jordan Love is not quite ready, which we kind of know that already. Uh, I, I know there's continued rumors around the Denver Broncos, which you alluded to last year as being a great spot for Rodgers. Uh, I, I found out recently that actually Shailene Woodley, I think she's originally from Denver, and you know we, 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 we commented the fact that the two L.A. teams were, were pretty solidified at quarterbacks, and that supposed list uh, out there were including all Western teams for Rodgers to maybe do his uh, Jeopardy things. But, you know, Aaron Rodgers actually hasn't really commented. There's a lot of stories going around. I've even seen some people challenge um, Adam Schefter from ESPN in terms of his information. So I think this is something that we got to continue to watch. But, you know, again, and, I, and I, do, I do take seriously a guy like James Jones, former wide receiver, good friend Aaron Rodgers, some of the comments he's made on the NFL Network. But nonetheless, this is going to continue to remain in the news. And it's something that the obviously the Packers need to get this stuff organized. It's something that you can't wait till the last minute. This is if, if, if something needed to be done, it should have been done done well before the draft, but that wasn't the case. So it remains a very sloppy situation for the Packer organization. Yeah, I mean, this thing is so, uh, you know, soap opera-ish that nobody's even discussing Deshaun Watson and what's going on there and, uh, and and what the heck the Texans are supposed to do. But, yeah, Green Bay is in a difficult situation. I mean, look, at some point, the rubber's going to meet the road, and Green Bay is going to either decide, okay, we're going to play this one out, we're not trading him. We're gonna we're gonna put this back on him. And if he wants to sit out, he'll sit out. If he wants to come at the camp, he'll come at the camp. They could probably not. They probably they can go after his money, uh, signing bonus money in the event that they don't do anything and he just doesn't show up. So that could get messy and that could get ugly. Or you know, Green Bay will just come to the you know conclusion that. Okay, the best thing is to trade him, and and we'll see how it plays out. I know that right now a lot of people. I I've heard the number, you know, from seventy five percent to ninety five percent that Aaron Rodgers has played his last down in Green Bay. I would not put the percentage that high. I think it's more likely than not that he doesn't play. But I've seen some people say there's only a 5% chance that Aaron Rodgers comes back to Green Bay. I don't see that. And I'm going to tell you something else. There's another aspect to this. You know, I know the ugliness, the Jordan Love, they didn't confer with Aaron Rodgers, the contract, the bad feelings. But but there's there's more of that. There's the the in-between-the-lines play, right? How on earth is Aaron Rodgers going to get on the same rapport with any of those receivers with the shorthand and and the way that he plays with Adams? Him and Devontae Adams have such a rapport that takes such time that I, I, I'm just not buying it, this this whole thing yet that he's definitely gone. I don't know how it's going to get repaired, if it can get repaired, but in the event that this thing plays out and Aaron Rodgers does go to another team, what does he do? He's going he's gonna to get on the same page with Jerry Judy in a matter of months that took years and years to get on with Devontae Adams? Yeah, no, not a chance. Not a chance. And I, and, and I would be one to say, and this is taking nothing away from a player like Javante Adams, who you know, we we could we could make the argument that he, you know he is the best receiver in football right now, and the, and the combination of the two certainly helps that. But if you were to remove Aaron Rodgers, I, I, you know I would be 
one of these guys that would be so reluctant to go. I don't care who was quarterbacking um, in Green Bay. I would be very reluctant to be drafting Devontae Adams with top 10 status. And, and again, nothing against the player, but it takes time, as you mentioned, to develop chemistry. We've seen the stories over the years. Look at a guy like Julian Edelman when you admire the, the, the collaboration he had with Tom Brady. Tom Brady refused to throw him the ball. Julian Edelman was traveling across the country to hang out with Tom Brady in the offseason. Brady kind of ignored him for the first two seasons. So this takes time, rapport, takes time to build. I think that's an incredibly important point that you make. And and any kind of chemistry to develop does not happen overnight with a transition. Now, Tom Brady was able to do that, but Tom Brady was holding, you know, he was at, he was at local high schools last year during COVID. He was breaking rules, by the way, throwing the ball to his receivers uh, in Tampa Bay. But by the way, we know how great t- uh, Chris Godwin was last year. Chris Godwin and Tom Brady could not get on the same page for most of last season. So it takes a lot of time to develop. And people jumping to conclusions about, oh, Tom, uh, Aaron Rodgers moves into Denver, look out. You know, these guys run different patterns. You don't know how that evolves. I think Adams and and, uh, Aaron Rodgers could dictate what they're going to do in each other's sleep at this point in time. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I definitely concur with all with all of that, and uh, yeah, I just I, I just think it's a point that's completely overlooked with this. It just seems everyone's talking about the business aspect, the future, what they did with Jordan Love, how does bad feelings, all that. But if we're talking about just pure football, as great as Aaron Rodgers is, and he is great, he's getting up there in age, and I'm not sure how he thinks being in the division with Patrick Mahomes and and the Chargers are an ascending team, and the Raiders are okay. I'm not sure how he feels that there's more of a likelihood to win, as opposed to that NFC North, we have the Vikings, Lions, and Bears. So if that's his goal, I'm not sure. But just from a standpoint of, of football, and, and 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 as it relates to fantasy football, um, yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not you know saying that that's going to happen you know in, in just a matter of months that all of a sudden you know Jerry Judy is going to be replacing um, uh, Devontae Adams in terms of stats. I just don't think that's going to happen. I, I think it takes. Uh, it takes a while to happen. And before we, we move on to the main topic of this podcast, I just wanted to mention one other thing that made me laugh. I, me- I remember that at the beginning when we started last year, we talked about this at length, that how much information is out there. And like for the people who are fantasy football owners, you have to look at all the information. You have to try and decipher what's nonsense. Who, who are the beat writers that really are on top of these things? And that over time, you kind of get a feel for what's nonsense sense and and what has a decent chance of, of, of coming to fruition and and already the misinformation campaign has started where somebody connected to the Niners has suggested that Trey Lance is going to be used in a Taysom Hill role right off the bat. And I always get such a laugh out of this. People don't even understand that Taysom Hill was an undrafted free agent by the Packers, who then, after a preseason in 2017, decided to, you know, allow him to pass through waivers, and the Saints got him. And he's evolved, and he's a terrific player. But there's a difference between that situation than a team that has traded all kinds of future draft equity to move up to get a player, to sprinkle him in. Oh, yeah, we'll play him a little bit at running back. We'll play him at tight end. 
big and athletic. So we talked about this at length last year, the information that comes out, how much is you know, good stuff and how much of it is just complete garbage. And uh, that was one that I don't know if you had a chance to see that, but that's one that made me laugh. Uh, I, I didn't see that, but there's no way that's happening. I can tell you that right now. And I would agree with you, like the stuff that comes out. Look, I, I look at a guy like James Jones, like I mentioned, like this guy's a friend of Aaron Rodgers, played with him for six, seven years in Green Bay. I'm going to listen to that guy before I listen to some of these guys that just randomly threw it. And that includes a guy like Adam Schefter, quite frankly. So, yeah, there's a lot of noise out there and, and you need to filter through it uh you know i think i, I think there's if, if i look at the rogers situation i'll just make my last point here and this is exactly what you were saying aaron rogers won an mvp last year very disappointing loss in the playoffs it was a team very capable of winning the nfc and going to the super bowl i think right now on paper aaron Rodgers on on the green bay packer roster makes this team a top three team in the nfc and I don't know if that's the same situation exactly with the Denver Broncos, but his path to a Super Bowl is certainly very, very much closer if he remains a Green Bay Packer than if he moves on elsewhere. That's my that's that's the last point that I would make. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if somebody said, you know, uh, you know, there's, there's a bunch of good teams in the, you know, there's a handful of good teams in the NFC, and I, I want to put the Packers at top of it. Um, you know, I would I would not have a uh, an issue with that. But the NFC, the AFC, is just bubbling over with these teams that are, you know, not only do you have these teams that are, you know, are ready at that level, like Kansas City and Baltimore teams, they're always contending for Super Bowl, but now you look at these Buffalo Bills, the Miami Dolphins, the Cleveland Browns, these are ascending, ascending teams, the Chargers as well. Um, yeah, I think yeah, the, I mean, to your point, the AFC is a better conference right now, team by team. I look at it, that team is, that, that conference seems to be... I mean, what's happened, honestly, is the NFL elite teams have had some of these aging quarterbacks and we've seen Drew Brees retire. I don't know how many years Brady and Rodgers have left, but I mean, after that is gone, um, you know, the AFC not only has these talent-laden rosters, but they are young teams. The Bills and the Dolphins and Browns, those have teams where their best players are not even entering, I, I mean, are not even in their prime. They're barely entering their prime. So, um, and, and certainly Patrick Holmes as well. So, um, I, I just feel that it's not a 95-5, uh, you know, situation that he never plays for Green Bay again. And I think it's a lot closer to 50-50, but we'll certainly see how that plays out. Yeah, and I, and I agree with you on that. So, uh, so let's move on to today's podcast. And uh, I, I think we want to talk a little bit about Look, we've been doing fantasy. Well, you've been doing it longer than me, but I've been doing it over 20 years. You've been doing it 30 years, so it's a lot of years of experience. Uh, we've seen changes in the game when it comes to how running backs are used and obviously points per reception. Lots of things have happened, but one of the big things that's happened and, and, and kind of something that we want to try and do, and this is not a, a young and old thing, but just the way the game has evolved, and I, I could say this. Did I feel a lot of frustration at times last year? And last year was a very unusual year with COVID for sure. But at times last year, having having a roster, and, and you and I were partners on one team where we just kept getting injury after injury, but managing a roster over the course of the season is, is tedious. It takes time, and there's luck involved in actually getting to a championship and winning one. There's a lot of different uh, elements that need to occur to happen. So one of the things that's been born out of 
also out of the crisis is we, we've had an involvement in, in, in online gaming, uh, mobile gaming, which will continue to proliferate. States continue to add that. They're going to have to raise revenues as time moves on. And I think we're seeing the influx and the influence by a lot of young people as, as we get into this new era of, of kind of uh, fantasy and sports gambling when it comes to things like FanDuel or DraftKings, Penn Gaming, all this kind of stuff. And I think that's one thing that we wanted to talk about today was on how we're kind of going to structure what, what our weeks look like as we move through the 2021 season. We'll do our usual preparation stuff, but we kind of want to lay the foundation to the way things are going to look when we get to the NFL season and how we're going to structure our weeks. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the premise of fantasy football has just evolved Uh in terms of, you know, when I started this thing out with, you know, my friends in, in the late 80s, it was season long. 20 years ago, it was season long. Even 10 years ago, season long fantasy football leagues. But now I feel that it's evolved. And I don't know, like, what the percentage is, but I think – as we continue to go on in time, I think season-long fantasy football leagues will become the minority, and the majority of leagues will be weekly drafts, similar to DraftKings, although I think you know something that you've hit on uh, for a while now is what could be interesting is have season-long stats but you're drafting over every single week. So you're playing in a league where each you know week you're drafting over, so you're not married to any players. And if you have one of those crushing injuries, it doesn't end your season. You just have that week, and then you move on to a new draft the next week, but you keep stats for the whole season. I think, you know, look, the millennials, um, they want instant gratification. And which lends itself to weekly drafts and even more so for immediate gratification, live wagering during games. This is the biggest thing. It was never around when you and I were starting to wager on games. I mean, then it evolved to being able to wager on halftime and then the final score. And then you got you know, involved in court. You could bet the first quarter. And now, honestly, when it comes to wagering, you know, during every TV commercial during a game, the line changes and there's updated live wagering. It's in every sport from the UFC to the National Football League. And another thing that the NFL has done more so than ever that never would have been thought of when you and I first started getting involved with football and wagering and watching, the NFL is fully embracing gambling in the NFL. Something that I, I would have never have thought to be the case. But it, it is that's what it is. They're you know, in bed with these fan duels and draft kings and, and they accept it and you know they realize what kind of money maker it is. So we're going to you know what you mentioned, we're going to give people what they want and we are going to um, go over draft kings uh, very, very specifically uh, one night or one day a week. Um, 
during each week of the NFL season. Yeah, and so, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that. So you, you, we know a guy, a player from our era, some of the young people out there may have heard the name, but Pete Rose is a player that was banned from baseball for betting. Um, you know, in addition to the NFL, I think every professional league has embraced sports gambling. I know the PGA Tour has done an unbelievable job with it. Uh, you know, you mentioned in, in-game gambling. You know, I've gotten to the point, actually, where some of these point spread games – even if I really, really like a team, uh, so let's say I like the Falcons against, uh, you know, against the Raiders this week, uh, you know, the Falcons are getting four points. I might even not even touch that game until the game starts and see how things play out because you don't have to because the line's continually moving. So, so the whole premise of gambling has changed completely. Um, you, you know, Wiz and I, we like to do both the season long, but we definitely made a push towards uh, concentrating on our efforts in, in, the, in the player props, which is another area separate of just DraftKings where the states where the sports book is available, you can bet on the amount of fantasy points or the production from a player based on yardage or catches or what have you. So this is going to continue to evolve, and, and we are going to speak to people in a more concentrated fashion. As you mentioned, Wiz, we'll, we'll talk about the DraftKings lineup. You want to build that best lineup. How do you do it? You try to find the bargains and, and, all, and, and kind of structuring a roster That'll be a successful formula for winning money. And in addition to that, you know, we, we know the good old fashioned on the lines that we put out, as well as the player props. We're going to have a day dedicated to that as well. So this is something that we wanted to speak to people about, give you something to look forward to as, as we get to our kind of weekly in-season uh, episodes where we do our podcast. You'll know when that's coming up. You'll look forward to it. I remember I was talking to Wiz about this. When I was when I was a younger guy uh, commuting back and forth to work, I couldn't wait till 5 o'clock on the fan on a Friday night. You knew Mike and the Mad Dog were going to do their picks each week. Not that they were very good at it, but it was always a very entertaining segment. But I made sure when I was in the car, we were on the fan listening to that, and it was something I looked forward to. So we kind of want to lay that same, same pattern out for everybody to know what's coming up each week and we will be catering and again we're going to be speaking to both the people that do the traditional fantasy leagues that certainly will come out but we're also going to be moving towards how how the game and and the expression of gambling and, and all that sort of stuff or I don't want to say call it gambling but the expression of expertise how that's borne out and we're going to do it in different fashion and that's what we're looking forward to doing for the upcoming season yeah I think we, we plan on doing four um, four structured shows every single week. Uh, I think what we're going to plan on doing is on Tuesday, we're going to do our big takeaways and fantasy implications from, um, from the prior week. Uh, let's say this is the Tuesday after week one. We're going to do our fantasy takeaways and, and implications on uh, people and players and positions for people to keep a, you know, a close eye on things that are happening. Uh, you'll have your list. I'll have my list. And we'll do that on, on Tuesday. That's, we're going to try and structure that every single Tuesday. Every single Thursday is going to be just about the Thursday game. Uh, we're going to talk about the game players uh prop bets if we like a side in the game and we're going to be very very DraftKings specific about the thursday showdown game which is you know like it's just a thursday game but boy people love playing that DraftKings showdown so we're going to help with that um then friday we're going to do the DraftKings for the entire uh, you know weekend sunday's games uh we're going to go over the top 
players at each positions, which ones we love. We're going to give a fade at each of those top rung salaries. And then we're going to try and find at each position, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, uh, and even defense as well, um, a, a, a diamond in the rough and with salary-wise. And then Saturday, we're going to do gambling. We're going to talk about games, totals, sides we love, and we're going to get into player props, which is something that I know that you started to really enjoy more and more and more as the, as the season went on. But I think, you know, when it comes to DraftKings, I just want to make this last point and I'll let you uh, say whatever uh, is on your mind about the subject, is that the two areas where I think we can help people are, are the two key things to, in DraftKings are one is ownership leverage, where you're able to put players on your team that don't have an abundance of ownership, high ownership. That is a key thing in DraftKings. And then the other one where I think we're really going to be able to help as well is finding the weakness in the salaries. Uh, and I think that sometimes during the year, it takes the people who are, who are handling that at DraftKings, it takes them a little while to catch up, and they miss a salary on a couple of players, uh, and it takes them a few weeks. And I think that's an area where we could help people make some money on DraftKings, ownership leverage, leverage and uh, weakness in the salaries as well. Yeah, and I would say this last point that I would make, Wiz, is that my approach to fantasy or, or anything that I'm doing and when it comes to, it doesn't matter when it came to my job as a, as a trader or, or looking at the equity market today or looking at fantasy football or looking at uh, some of the golf things that I do. You know, I, I don't sit there and just kind of lick my finger and throw it into the wind. There's, a, there's an intense amount of research that goes into each and every decision that I make reading, uh, trying to use different resources to, 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 to help me formulate my decisions and maybe to actually push back against to what I think, right? So, and, and I'm watching football on a week-to-week basis like you are, like a lot of people are. You learn a lot by watching the games. If you think you can be successful without watching some of these games, seeing what's going on during the, during the games, you're completely incorrect. So there's a process behind all, all of the decisions that go on. And I would say any kind of investment decision that I make, and I, I really... I really think this is the same thing as investing in, in, in equities, but, but you're doing the same thing when you're trying to formulate uh, an opinion on players. So I, I do my research. I try to find people to push back against it because that, and, and even in our discussions, you, you can have an opinion as I can have an opinion. I'm going to listen to you if, if, if you're trying to make a lucid point of something that I'm not seeing. Maybe I'm blind. There's something called confirmation bias, and a lot of times we get struck by that. But the point I'm just trying to make is there is an intense amount of research that goes into it. So it's going to be no different even though we'll be approaching it from a slightly different lens, the same amount, uh, the same research that I do going into a season-long fantasy football season, uh, that's not going to change in terms of how I look at things on a weekly basis. Yeah, I mean, we're not going to abandon... We're not going to abandon what we love, and we, you know, we we've been in these season-long leagues for a long, long time. We're not going to abandon that, leave that, put that on the back burner, dismiss it at all. No, no. All we're doing is we're going to add... Uh, to what most people enjoy. And uh, it seems at this point, the majority of people prefer immediate gratification, the weekly draft kings, um, drafting on a weekly basis and not being season long. But by no means are we going to uh, abandon that. We're going to stick with that and we're going to talk about injuries and, and you know, players to pick up if you've had that player, you know. So we're, we're going to – we're not – 
it's not like we're going to dismiss what we love and what we've been doing. We're just going to add on to that and in a more structured way. Yeah, well, well put. And uh, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I, I know you are as well. And you know, look, we're super psyched for the season. We're gonna we're preparing for season long seasons, and then we prepare for our weekly stuff. And I couldn't be more excited about football for 2021. Feels a little bit no- more normal. Team rookie camps are getting out there. Look, the players were behind the eight ball last year, not be able to get out there early. So there's a big there's a big opportunity there. So Wiz and I will continue to do what we're doing. Uh, we, we love the game, and, and we're going to continue to talk passionately about you each and every week. And just changing the direction a little bit, uh, we're, we're going to keep we're, we're keeping those people who will be doing the kind of old school way, and then evolving into what people are trying to migrate towards, uh, and, and the way we see it going. So we're, we're going to make everybody happy, but nonetheless, the process will be the same. Absolutely. All right, so that's Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast today. Uh, Again, we'll come back to you later in the week with some more fun stuff. Uh, Please listen to us on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Uh, Wiz, enjoy this wonderful day, and uh, talk to you later in the week. You got it. You do the same. Thank you.